Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and me on your money only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. This is the show where we find out how you can master your money. And we have all sorts of experts coming into the studio. Today joining me is Wong Jun Ian, Managing Director of CoinDesk. And we're talking about the future of money and Bitcoin in Asia. If you have any questions, you can WhatsApp us at 97178893. Or if you'd like to jump in the conversation, you can do that at 669-11893. Good morning, Jun. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Is cryptocurrency still of marginal interest to investors in Asia? How does interest in cryptocurrency in Asia compare to the rest of the world, June? So, you know, the thing that we're actually seeing with cryptocurrency globally is that the center of activity is very much in Asia. It's being driven by Asian startups and businesses, and it's being driven by the Asian investor and traders. It's being driven by interest in Asia as opposed to other parts of the world? That's right. So if you, if you look at each day, the top 10 cryptocurrency exchanges trade about $2 billion daily. Mm-hmm. Um, of that top 10, eight of those exchanges are based in Asia. Uh, and the top uh, exchange, a platform called Binance, even though it's headquartered in Malta, it's basically an Asian exchange. And they trade about a $1 billion uh, a day in cryptocurrencies. Fascinating, really fascinating. Uh, I was looking at headlines around cryptocurrency and five days ago, stablecoin issuer Paxos announced a gold-backed cryptocurrency. It's going to be tokenized on Ethereum blockchain Pax Gold, P-A-X-G, and will entitle holders to a gold bar stored in London by Brinks. And a founding partner of Mobias Capital, major investor Mark Mobias says he's bearish on cryptocurrency and blockchain technology with some caveats, um, but he told CNBC recently that a gold-backed cryptocurrency run on the blockchain would be of interest. Would you agree? Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about that is um, Paxos is a major issuer of what are called stable coins uh, in, the, in the industry. Mm. And, and these tend to be um, an asset that is pegged to, uh, for example, the US dollar or, or some other asset price. Um, so, so in this case, Paxos, and they're going to come to our conference uh, that we're holding on Wednesday and Thursday at Marina Bay Sands, uh, Invest Asia 2019. Uh, they're they're going to come and actually discuss in greater detail their new gold-backed uh, coin, as well as a new stable coin that they're releasing with Binance, who I mentioned earlier, the world's biggest uh, crypto exchange uh, that's going to be pegged to the U.S. dollar. And so the function of all these stable coins is to solve one of the issues with cryptocurrencies, which is, as the name implies, volatility, right? Because cryptocurrencies can be volatile, um, stable coins are a useful tool for traders to trade in and out of and manage that, that level of volatility. Wonderful. So this announcement, this major role of Paxo uh, issuing this new stable coin is going to be announced at your platform, Investasia? That's right, yes. That's happening this week. That's happening on Wednesday and Thursday, yep. Wednesday and Thursday. I suppose the fact that you're holding this conference here as well, because Coindesk is based in the UK, the fact that you're holding this conference here, saying something about Asian crypto markets, how they're functioning? Absolutely, yes. Um, You know, we're based in in, in New York City, but you can see that the center of gravity, really, of the industry is shifting uh, to Asia. A lot of the innovation is coming out of Asian companies, uh, folks like Binance, for example, and the 
trading side. And then on the infrastructure side, you see companies like Bitmain, uh, the world's largest miner of Bitcoin. They're a China-based company. Uh, they're trying to get listed as a publicly traded company. Um, and they're responsible for all the hash rate, the mining power that secures the Bitcoin blockchain. The huge amounts of innovation coming out of this region. So I'm looking at your webpage for Invest Asia, and I see that you've got huge names coming in to talk about cryptocurrency and Asia's role in crypto markets. Tell me a little bit about Coindesk and what you do in this space. So Coindesk is the leading news, data, and events producer in the space. Everyone in the space reads us to find out what's going on. Um, and we were founded in 2013. So we've been covering the space for about half the lifetime of Bitcoin, which is 10 years old this year. Is Australian Craig Wright Bitcoin's anonymous creator, Dub Santoshi, what do we really know about the origins of Bitcoin? That's a uh, controversial question in Bitcoin circles. I know you wrote an article on this. <laughs> yes, it's a uh, perennial topic that keeps coming up. Uh, most people involved in Bitcoin do not believe Craig Wright is Satoshi. Um, but, you know, there are various lawsuits underway to settle that question once and for all. And most people in Bitcoin argue that it doesn't matter who Satoshi is, right? The whole point of Bitcoin is that it allows users to not be tied to their identity and yet be able to transact freely, globally, across borders. Mm. Uh, so Mark Mobile is saying, that major investor again, that he is bearish on cryptocurrency with some caveats. And he says cryptocurrencies are largely backed by faith. So are we seeing the growth of these new stablecoins trying to undermine that argument? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the stablecoins are really being introduced to fill a need for traders. Uh, it allows traders to uh, manage some of that volatility in their day-to-day -day activity. I, I don't think that they're going to replace the original use case of Bitcoin. Um, so if you think of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, which is a public, permissionless, and decentralized form of money, the point of that is that it allows anyone to transact with anyone else around the world uh, without having to go through an intermediary, uh, without having to rely on, for example, a bank or a money transmission service like Western Union or PayPal. Anyone can download a Bitcoin wallet, um, obtain mine Bitcoin and obtain it and send that Bitcoin to somebody else, for example. And coming back to the question of faith, I mean, when we hear about Paxo backing a, uh, you know, with a gold-backed cryptocurrency run on the, and this will entitle holders to a gold bar stored in London, as an, an investor wanting to conduct due diligence, we've had, you know, experts on the show saying whenever you hear about a cryptocurrency backed by any sort of um, asset class, you should maybe ask to see this gold uh, bar stored in London by Brinks. Would that be possible or would that be something that investors maybe should keep at the back of their minds that they should investigate what the um, cryptocurrency is backed by? Sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great policy. Um, in crypto circles, people like to say, do your own research. You know, it's kind of the same thing as buyer beware. Uh, this is a new, fast-moving asset class. Uh, there are genuine innovations taking place, but there are also people who take advantage of the fast-moving nature of it by either introducing questionable products or many outright 
write scams, yeah. right? So definitely keep your wits around, about you. As far as the Paxos thing goes, mm. um, you know, they're regulated in New York. I don't know all the details of mm. the particular coin, mm-hmm. but um, as you know, they're, they're a regulated entity and they have a good track record. So Coindesk is a leading news and event organizer in the space of Bitcoin. So tell me, are, are we seeing ways to spend cryptocurrency increasing? Are you, are you seeing more stories come up around that theme? Yeah, that, that tends to bubble up. Uh, it's still obviously a, a long way off from you know being a way to buy your coffee in the morning. But there's a lot of technical work that's going on at the moment to try and make that a reality. For example, um, Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter and Square, the payments company, uh, he has invested in a company called Lightning Labs that's trying to create a way for Bitcoin to be spent for everyday payments. And that's using a system called the Lightning Network that people are trying to build on top of Bitcoin. Um, and then you hear stories all the time, right? For example, in uh, New Zealand recently, you know, the government said it was fine to do your payroll and pay salaries in cryptocurrency, right? So the more people are earning in cryptocurrency, the more likely they will be to be spending it. Because another major question is how does cryptocurrency hold its utility, right? I was reading how even in Taiwan, retailers are looking at maybe expanding their uh, use or participation with cryptocurrency. Yes, yeah, sure. Um, I, I think it's a question of where you sit, right? So if you have ready access to debit cards and credit cards and all these other payment systems, then maybe getting a Bitcoin wallet isn't as uh, convenient as it sounds, right? But if, for example, um, you are in some edge situations where uh, having access to this kind of financial products becomes difficult, then getting a Bitcoin wallet could be a lot more convenient and an easier way for you to pay. Well, speaking of uh, utility and how you can actually use cryptocurrency, do you see governments and institutional players increasingly participating in cryptocurrency? Yes. Um, so, you know, they're taking part in two ways, right? One is you're seeing governments start to get more and more serious about regulating the crypto markets. So Asia is leading the way on that front. Um, you know, for example, Japan has 19 regulated cryptocurrency exchanges. Uh, Singapore is working on a framework on that. Malaysia has four regulated exchanges. And in Asia, the regulators are, and government is, are really taking the lead because, for example, if you compare it to the U.S., in the U.S., there's no single regulator who can regulate an exchange. Mm-hmm. Exchanges have to deal with a huge number of different agencies and then different departments in order to get some kind of regulatory clarity. And in what we've, we're seeing in Asia is that the governments here are really just studying the matter, coming out with comprehensive and cohesive policies, and allowing businesses to get on with the business of, of building uh, the products. So um, Asian governments are definitely taking the lead on that regard. Okay, here's a question. Is Asia becoming the global authority for blockchain-powered digital assets? Yeah, um, I mean, I think there's a lot of work going on there. Uh, You can look at, for example, uh, China, the Central Bank of China. Although the details of that project are being kept tightly under wraps, do know from their public statements is that they plan to introduce their own digital currency uh, pegged to the UN, the renminbi, um, which will operate uh, similarly to Facebook's Libra, right? So, you know, major, the world's second largest economy, planning to release its own digital currency uh, in order to create more efficient 
monetary policy. How would you say the level of awareness uh, among Singaporeans of cryptocurrency evolved? Where does it stand currently, do you think? My sense is that most people know, for example, if you, men- if you talk about Bitcoin, people recognize the word. Uh, they probably have a friend or a relative who owns some Bitcoin. Um, but adoption is slow in Singapore because uh, of the slow pace, I think, of the legacy banking system mm. to allow cryptocurrency companies to do their work. So, for example, one, one thorny issue in Singapore is that cryptocurrency exchanges have not been able to easily access banking services, right? They can't get bank accounts from the local banks um, because of fears of, you know, money laundering and all of these other compliance issues, uh, which are well-founded. And many people believe that once the government comes up with a comprehensive regulatory framework, that that problem should be settled. Tell us a little bit about this field of crypto fundraising. What's that about? Yeah, that's a thing called um, initial coin offerings, which most people know as ICOs. And ICOs raise billions of dollars in the last few years. And Singapore is actually the epicenter, the most, the biggest ICO hub in the world at the moment. I think something like more than 200 ICOs took place in Singapore last year, raising $1.6 billion. Um, so Singapore is definitely a hub for that. Really interesting. Here's another listener question. What are the names, June, of the four regulated currencies in Malaysia? Cryptocurrencies. Uh, cryptocurrency exchanges. Yes. So I can tell you the name of one, which is Luno. And I will have to look up the names of the of the other. I believe it's three. I may have misspoken just now. I think it was three regulated exchanges in okay, Malaysia. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll look that up. So that one that you mentioned was? Luno. Luno. Okay. Yes. Thank you very much, listeners. Keep those questions coming through and we'll look it up for you live even as we do the show. So you mentioned uh, that Asia could take the regulatory lead when it comes to sharing best practices around digital assets like cryptocurrencies. Um, What do you see as some of these possible uh, regulatory trajectories? Yeah, so uh, exchange licensing is one way that we've seen governments go uh, and Japan has really taken the lead there. Um, You know, Japan at one point was home of the world's biggest uh, Bitcoin exchange. Which closed down, right? Which closed down yeah. spectacularly. Um, lots of mo- money was lost and the founder was prosecuted. And so that really triggered a situation where the Japanese regulator then had to look very closely at this industry and figure out how they're going to regulate it and deal with it. And so that's the reason why Japan has been leading the way in terms of exchange regulations. And then you see people like Korea, Malaysia, uh, Singapore, hopefully soon, adopting similar licensing type of approach. Okay. June, do you think cryptocurrency is the future of money? Yes, I think I do. Um, and, and you see it everywhere, right? Not just within the cryptocurrency industry. You see people like Facebook, which has 2 billion users. They want to create a distributed digital currency called Libra, right? Um, you see it in the People's Bank of China, the Chinese Central Bank. They want to create a digital currency. The governor of the Bank of England recently talked about uh, how perhaps the US dollar should not be the global reserve currency. Like maybe a digital currency should be created by central banks to replace the US dollar. So um, those things are not the same thing as Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, but you see that the conversation about what money is and what money could be 
is dramatically changing. And that's because of Bitcoin. That's because of uh, cryptocurrencies. Do you see Asia's role in shaping the cryptocurrency world uh, just accelerating? What do you think is going to drive the critical infrastructural growth of cryptocurrency here in Asia? Yeah, I mean, Asia is already, you know, in the lead, right? So uh, most of the Bitcoin mining in the world takes place in Asia. Um, the best, the most efficient chips that allow Bitcoins to be mined are designed in Asia and made in Asia. Um, so a lot of the infrastructure is already based in Asia. It's already kind of the leading hub for R&D and innovation on those fronts. And then you see on the trading side, uh, exchanges like Binance are providing the most liquid venues for cryptocurrency trading. And that's all being based in Asia. What an eye-opening conversation. Thank you so much for coming by and all the best with Invest Asia later this week. Wong Jun-Ian is Managing Director of Coindesk. This has been Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.